Welcome to Two Idiots and a Dog Presents Zolgar's Comic Collection, a mostly solo cast where I read through my ever-growing comic book and graphic novel collection and talk about them. If you hadn't already figured it out by now, I am Zolgar. This week I'm going to be talking about Sandman Volume 1, Preludes and Nocturnes, from Vertigo, or now DC Black Label, written by this obscure, unknown author by the name of Neil Gaiman. I'm not even sure he's a real person, honestly. With art from Sam Keith, Mike Dringenberg, and Malcolm Jones III. Right, so, the Sandman. Where do I even start with this? <sighs> I have spent the last several years being constantly told by friends I needed to read Sandman. This series has a nearly cult-like following, and it tends to be a book that is popular with both comics fans and those who aren't. I wanted to go ahead and start reading it before the Netflix series released, and since I just started doing comic reviews, this sounded like a good time as any. Now, I'm not sure what it is, honestly, but for me, it was just good. I enjoyed it, and I'm definitely going to read more of the series. I've actually already picked up Volume 2, but it just didn't grab me. Volume 1 didn't make me want to immediately grab Volume 2 and start reading, even though I had the opportunity to. Uh, whereas both Saga and Autumn Lands, if I had had Volume 2 on hand, I probably would have picked it up and started reading it as soon as I was done with 1. Possibly this is because the first 8 issues tell a nicely contained story that could be it. Possibly it's just that the series doesn't really pick up until a little bit later, since the first 8 books are more like an origin story. Or possibly it's the fact that I'm coming into it 30 years after it's released and having grown up reading more than just the classic superhero comics. I read Usagi Ojimbo, Elf Quest, Ex Machina, Watchmen, Why the Last Man, and so many other well-written narratives in comic form that maybe coming into the Sandman now, I just feel like... It's what comics are supposed to be, though I realize it is one of the early modern age comics where we see a greater focus on narrative and overarching stories in the mainstream than we did in the Bronze Age and before. And again, I enjoyed it. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it wasn't good. It was great. It just, it didn't live up to the hype for me personally. And honestly, how could it? How could anything live up to the hype of so many people saying it's their favorite comic? How could anything live up to the hype of being one of the greatest comics ever when I've read so many other amazing comics over the years? Now, it's definitely well worth reading, especially if you're a fan of Gaiman. So, The Sandman, Volume 1, covers the origin story of Dream, the physical manifestation of the primal power of sleep and dreams. He is also known by many other names, such as the Sandman and Morpheus. The book starts out in the early 1900s when a power-hungry wizard decides to try to capture and enslave Death, but botches it and catches Dream instead. They steal the tools of Dream's power and imprison him for about 70 years before he breaks out, and the book then follows him as he seeks vengeance and recovers his stolen tools. The first volume really does tell a cohesive story, and if they had ended it after issue 8, there wouldn't have been anything left unresolved. However, it also does an excellent job of setting up the wider world the series takes place in, as we cross paths with Death, the Devil himself, and a couple of big names from the DC Universe. 
honestly, the cameos from DC characters kind of pulled me out of the book a bit. Uh, I feel it would have been a little bit better if it had existed solely in its own world, because there wasn't anything about those characters' place in the story that made it need to be those specific characters. The art is very 80s. Take that how you will. (laughs) It is well done, consistent, though there is a noticeable change in artists. I actually feel the series might have been better served in black and white as opposed to in color, honestly, but I do admit I tend to feel that way a lot about comics from the 80s and 90s. Now, the writing. Look, this was written by Neil Gaiman. Despite my sarcasm at the start of the episode, he is a wildly popular, extremely talented author who has penned comics, novels, short stories, and more. I am not sure my words can do his words justice because that man could write circles around me in his sleep. What I'm trying to say is this comic is extremely well written, with Gaiman's dry wit and pacing it keeps you turning the pages. In the midst of this supernatural drama, There are these odd moments of humanity, even from beings who are completely inhuman. The way the art and writing pair for the narrative is excellent. I use the word excellent a lot, don't I? That's that's beside the point. (laughs) I find myself wondering how much of the detail was described by Gaiman, and how much of it was the artist's interpretation of what was happening. But it all flows together in a way that, given my limited experience with Gaiman's work, feels like what he would be describing. Each of the first eight issues has a different overall vibe and style, which is an interesting and intentional element that I hadn't actually initially caught, but I can see it after kind of looking through the volume again after reading uh, Gaiman's afterward in this collection. Most of them were written as homages to other classic styles of horror, though only one of them is, in my opinion, truly horrific, which is issue 6, 24 Hours which Gaiman says is one of the few genuinely horrific things he's ever written. It is a story of abuse and power of corruption. The final antagonist of the first arc spends a day torturing people in a diner. It it is uncomfortable to read. The final issue, though, of the first storyline at least, I think is the best. It's just the epilogue. Dream has completed his mission and spends a day with his sister, Death. It's a very human moment between these two anthropomorphic manifestations of primal powers. These are terrible beings of tremendous power, beings who could remake reality if they so chose, but they're also people. They're siblings. I've always loved that juxtaposition of humanity and inhuman beings of supreme power, which is probably also why I really enjoyed American Gods. I'm not gonna lie. If the entire first arc had just been death hanging out with Dream, I probably would have been a lot more hooked on it. Okay, so the series is definitely not for everyone, though. This is a dark adult comic from the 80s, so it deals with a lot of dark adult themes. Rape, murder, drug addiction, loss of free will, physical and psychological torture, homophobia, suicide, and more. They're not made light of, nor are they presented as okay, but it's still enough to make people uncomfortable. And that's fine, of course. There's there's nothing wrong with not wanting to read about that, especially given everything going on in the world right now. There is also some sex and limited nudity, plus uh, some graphic depictions of violence. So, you know, it's on you if you decide to let your kids read it. Now, 
since I did kind of seem critical at the start, I do want to stress, Sandman is not a bad series, not by any means. It is very well written and very well done, and I am definitely going to be reading more of it. It just, it didn't live up to the lofty expectations that had been created by glowing recommendations from friends, and part of the reason that I've expressed that is so that if, like me, you've not read it yet, and you're wanting to, I'm letting you know to to temper your expectations based on the fact that you've probably read a lot of other great comics in the 30 years since this book has been released, and while this book probably paved the way for many of those, it's not going to stand out the same way to someone like us who has read so many other things before this as it would for someone who picked up this as one of their early modern era comics in the 80s or 90s. In conclusion, it is well worth the read, and I'd recommend it for anyone who likes darker comics or enjoys Gaiman's writing, but I don't quite get the hype. I am told it gets far better after issue 8, so if you're going to start, maybe go ahead and pick up the first two volumes. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this, be sure to listen to the other shows from Two Idiots and a Dog Media. In most of us, there's even actually two of us. If you'd like to keep in touch, you can find us on pretty much all of the social media platforms under T-I-A-A-D Media, and typically I'm the one you'll be interacting with. You can also join us on Discord or sign up for our mailing list. You will find all those pertinent links in the show notes. Consider also checking out Robots Don't Age. Unfortunately, Kaiju ate the promo they sent us, so I guess I have to tell you about those idiots. Robots Don't Age is a podcast about nothing and everything all at once. They talk about movies, video games, comics, and of course, robots. Their show gives the general vibe of hanging out and bullshitting with your friends. They're often off-color, occasionally insightful, and at least 30% of the time they're amusing, but they're never boring. So find Robots Don't Age on your favorite podcatcher. If you would like to send kaiju fan mail or reach out to the idiots for anything, you can email us at tiaadmedia at gmail.com. And if you're a comic creator and would like me to cover yours, feel free to reach out as well. Lastly, if you would like to support our dream of being successful enough to afford food, you can support us on Patreon or Ko-fi. We are TIAAD Media on both, and of course there will be links in the show notes. 